0: Amen. Hey, that's right. We are once again on the exciting topic: world religions, cults, and the occult. How many of you guys got that memorized? <laughs> All two of you. That's right, uh, praise God. But that's right. We are in the made it past the introduction. We are into chapter two with Judaism, and again we saw the importance of the uh, Jewish people when it comes to the first coming of Jesus. But the last couple times we've been dealing, hey, you also need to pay attention to the Jewish people when it comes to the second coming of Jesus, and that's what we've been dealing with. And hopefully we can get that finished up. Uh, tonight okay and we saw that the Bible predicts uh, many years in advance centuries in advance how do you know it's getting close God never gives us the exact time of the day or the hour uh, but he lets us know the season when it's getting close to his uh, son's return Jesus return. anybody excited about that yeah. praise God anybody still doing rapture practice when you get up and you need to okay because it's getting close all right and we took a look at the different ones and we saw that how do you know it's getting close well the Jewish people would return to the land has that happened when they return to the land they would become a nation again has that happened uh, when they became a nation, they became a united nation. Does that happen? Uh, has their currency uh, turned to a shekel again? Mm-hmm. Did, they, did it all happen in one day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did the, the blossom as a rose in the desert? Yeah, exactly. That happened as well. And then we saw the last couple of times they would become a powerful military. Who's the number three on the planet who has the amount of nukes on the planet? Number three. A little bit of Israel. Do you guys remember the stat? How many Israels can fit in the state of California? 20.5. Can you believe that? And they are the third most nukes on the planet. little piece of real estate, absolutely amazing, man. They're going to uh, do what the scripture says they're going to do. They're going to consume all right and left. Uh, But then they would also become a conflict for the whole world, and that's kind of where we've been dealing with. Why is there such conflict? Well, we saw because certainly the proximity issue, certainly also with the resources issue that we dealt with, and that's, I think, a lot of what's going on there with Russia and Syria and all the other things that are going on there, uh, as the many different things that they have. When God said that land was a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's a good land, I think. Now, with modern technology and, and things that we can understand what's going on in that uh, area there geographically, boy, is it ever a good land. Uh, some of the richest resources on the planet just happen to be right there. Very interesting, isn't it? Okay. And then, of course, the religious issue that we have uh, trying to create a one-world religion that's going there. Now, before we continue on, because we're going to deal with another one, hopefully, tonight, uh, we, we've talked about this before, but you've got you to put all this into a perspective, okay? Because just we're dealing with what? How many guys can count? None of you, praise God, there's my hand back there. That's right. Uh, there's eight prophecies we talked about. Now, let's take a look at this. Uh, prophecies coming to pass in one people. And the one people, of course, is the Jewish people. Why, why, why is that significant? We go, okay, so what? So there's, the Bible predicted eight things. And by the way, there's way more than eight. And we're gonna deal with the ninth one tonight, but there's more than that, but that's just all I'm gonna deal with. Uh, so what's the big deal with eight? Well, let's take a look at that. By the modern science of probability, we find that any one entity like the Jewish people, might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled just eight prophecies. Just these eight right here has been calculated 1 in 10 okay, to the 17th power. Now, that doesn't sound like a big number, but once again, let's explode. What is 1 in 10 to the 17th power? That is equated to the same as this. If you were to lay uh, silver dollars completely on the state of Texas, enough silver dollars, it would cover the whole state of Texas, but it would cover the whole state of Texas two feet deep. That's how many silver dollars. Now, how many guys would realize that's, that's a lot of silver dollars? That's mad. We're still not done because you're trying to, you know, bring out the probability factor. Now, uh, you got uh, one guy and you basically give him a silver dollar. You say, hey, listen, we're going to mark this with a red X, okay? And what we want you to do is we're going to just basically fly in a plane, if you will, and we're going to randomly just somewhere in the whole state of Texas, cover two, te- two deep, feet deep with silver dollars. We're going to just throw this one randomly out the window with the red X on we're going to land the plane back on the edge of the state, uh, state of Texas, okay? And then what we're going to do is we're going to blindfold you, okay? We're going to blindfold you, and then we're going to give you one choice. And you have to walk two feet deep through the whole state of Texas, and you got one choice with a blindfold on to pick this one that we threw out of an airplane somewhere over the whole state, and you have to get it on uh, the first try in the only try. What are the odds that that guy's ever going to get that one? Mathematically, that is what this is, 10 to the 17th power. That is the exact same odds mathematically of any one entity in all human history fulfilling just eight prophecies. That's how it's been calculated. Now, how many guys would say that's God's wonderful way of saying, are you listening yet? You think I'm done with the Jewish people? Uh Uh-uh. They were very important about my first coming. They're also going to be very important for the second coming. And again, that's just eight. There's way more than that. Okay, now the ninth one we're going to deal with tonight is we would see, how do you know you're living in the last days, is when you would see the Jewish people not only like coming back, coming back as a nation, coming back as a people, military conflict, but they would rebuild the temple. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to learn about this rebuilt Jewish temple. We know they're going to build a temple again, okay? Revelation 11, we're going to look at through uh, verses 1 through 8, uh, 1 through 8, if you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang on, that's right. Revelation uh, chapter 11, verse 1 through 8. And uh, when you get there, say, move. Ah, uh, just almost brings a tear to your eye, John. A little pastor out there. Because that's what pastors do in the pastor. Okay. Yeah, whatever. So let's move on. Uh, stole enough time. Here's what, here was I, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the what? temple of God, and the altar, and count the worshipers there, but exclude the outer court, do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months, half of the seven-year tribulation, and I will give my power to two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, again, half of the seven-year tribulation. You are saying, well, wait a second, that doesn't add up. If we do 365, well, that's because the Jewish people are on the lunar calendar, 360. So if you do 360, it comes out exactly. Okay, uh, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If Listen, if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes out of their mouths. Right? They went to Taco Bell. They got that spicy sauce. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. This is supernatural. How many of you guys know people today that are still alive because you don't have this power? <laughs> yeah, you know you're out there. But these guys get it. This is really going to happen, man. This is amazing, man. Fire comes out of their mouths, okay, and and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. I love that word there, must there. It's actually in the Greek. It's an imperative. This is absolutely no doubt about it. You ever come, you even touch it, you try to lay a hand on it, you will die. That's literally what the Greek is saying there. Okay, these men have also power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Now, when they finish their testimony, the beast, the antichrist that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. Okay, their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, here it is, which is figuratively called, listen, Sodom and Egypt. Now, Sodom, what's Sodom known for? Homosexuality, Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, that's that's all of the scripture, Old New Testament. That's it's a gay, right? And Egypt, of course, uh, typifies slavery, sin, things of that nature. So this city is literally, figuratively called. It's not Sodom. It's not Egypt. But it's figuratively. It's so bad. God is comparing the city to Sodom and Gomorrah, basically, and Egypt, just sin, uh, just homosexuality. So, whoa! And now he said, Well, what was the city? Where also their Lord was what? Where was Jesus crucified? Jerusalem. So this tells us not only that a temple is going to be rebuilt, okay, during the seven-year tribulation, there's going to be a temple rebuilt again. It's going to be specifically where is it going to be located? Okay, and that's just one passage, okay? But what I want to give you a little kind of a a current little thing is this was written like 2,000 years ago. Of all things for God, you think about this, of all things to compare, God to compare, Israel, the spiritual state of Israel at that time, of all things for him to call out, it would be Sodom. And and again, we haven't got to that yet, maybe that will be next week if we can get that far. We'll get into modern Judaism, right? Because again, as I, I said many times before, already in our study, when we think of Israel, we all think that they're all orthodox and they got the little curlies going on and they're all at the western wall and they're all spiritual and they're, that's not true, very, very, very secular, just like the United States of America. Now, what's wild is, okay, man, Israel, we know they're going to be in a messed up spiritual state. We know that we'll get to that hopefully tonight. Their eyes are going to be blinded. They don't even know. They're just going to be fooled by the Antichrist. They're going to make a peace treaty with a guy, right? But we also know that they are obviously the state of Israel. Yes, they're in the land again, the nation again, a powerful village. But spiritually, they are so messed up that God says, you know what? You might as well just call these people Sodom and Gomorrah. Now that's specific because there was a specific sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, and that was homosexuality. So the question is, how do we know we're getting close to Israel getting into that spiritual state? Not just the temple, but God warned 2,000 years ago they're gonna get in such a horrible uh, state that you, welcome to Sodom and Gomorrah. Watch this. I knew it was bad. Listen to this. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights in Israel is the most advanced in the whole Middle East. And it is the most advanced in Asia. Same-sex sexual activity was legalized in Israel way ahead of us, 1988. Remember that? We were still debating. There were churches that actually dared to still believe or not preach against that. Remember that? Now they are kept their mouths shut. By the way, I just got to say this because it still blows me away. Remember the study we went through, the Christian response to the Supreme Court decision, when that decision went down? And, and God prompted my heart, we interrupted our study, and for four weeks we dealt with that, and then had a testimony of somebody who got rescued from that, remember that? Okay. So we, we went, put all that together, Reed worked his tail off, and Chris, and this great artwork, we put together this great study and that, that we went through here, and we thought, man, we got something that we could benefit, the Church of Jesus Christ. So I kid you not, we went through all that work, top-notch, totally professional, everything you think of. I mean, it was just, just like you buy in a DVD store, just awesome and apologetic, and here's how to respond, it was all put out for you, everything. So we went and we sent out that study to what, about 40, 40 ministries in the United States and Canada, and I'm talking some big ones, right? You know how many responded? Two. I knew it was bad, but the church didn't even want to get equipped on it even after the Supreme Court decision. Isn't that horrible? Man, we are in a heap of trouble. But Israel was way ahead of us, 1988. Right? We just went through that. There was 1980. Israel became the first in Asia to recognize unregistered cohabitation between same-sex couples, making it the only country in Asia to recognize any same-sex unions thus far. Israel also recognized same-sex marriages performed elsewhere, making it the first and only country in Asia to do so. And discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation was prohibited back in 1992, and same-sex couples were allowed to jointly adopt after a court decision in 2008. Eight, and gays and lesbians were allowed to serve openly in the military back then in 1993. That was the year I got saved, 22 years ago. Recent polls have also indicated that the a majority of Israelis support same-sex marriage despite some social conservatism, and listen to this. Tel Aviv has frequently been referred to by publishers as one of the most, listen, gay-friendly cities in the whole world. Famous for its annual pride parade and gay beach, earning it the nickname, and I quote, the gay capital of the Middle East. Now that's going to add a little bit to this sign here, conflict, because I'm not supporting Islam, but, you know, that's one of the big things, you know, again, whoa, right? And Israel is the gay capital of the Middle East area? Now here's what's wild, tucked away in the text 2,000 years ago, what did we just read? God says, you know what's getting close? You're going to see a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem again. But you know what? You're also going to see that the spiritual state, I just put it in my text for you, um, homosexuality. You might as well just call them Sodom. Most gay-friendly place in the world. Are we getting close or what? It's just absolutely wild. Okay, so we know we're going to have a rebuilt temple, okay, the Jewish people, and it's going to be built in Jerusalem. Now, the problem is, what's the big problem? Bingo, you got, you got the um, a dome of the rock that's on there. Now, believe it or not, there's different theories, right? Some people say, well, I'll tell you what. No, archeologists say, well, there's no problem. We can still build it. Uh, we just need to rally around it and commit to it. There's what's called the North theory. They're saying it's a little bit to the North. Then there's other people that say, no, 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 no. Uh, it's a little bit to the South. Okay, if you go a little bit to the South, that's really where it's at. A lot of them, though, are still holding to, no, that's exactly where it is at. It is right there, okay? And uh, that's the, the templeinstitute.org, Temple Mount Faithful. They all believe, no, that's exactly where it's at. So anyway, but my point being is like, well, I- even if, because you think, well, they're never going to build it. I mean, that'll create World War III, and etc. cetera, blah, blah, blah. How's that ever going to work? How are they going to get the temple? They may want to build the temple, but how are they going to build the temple? Well, if they just happen to, I don't know what they're going to do, but if they just happen to go with either one of those theories, case closed, right? By and large or this one, you're saying, well, how are they going to build it right there? Well, as we saw with Gog and Magog, I've always wondered this. You know, that literally is going to happen. What if a stray missile took it out? And wouldn't that be a great opportunity after the ashes of a literal World War III that an antichrist figure comes up and says, hey, let's make a treaty. We've had enough of this stuff. Oh, by the way, you know what I'm going to do for you, Israel, if you sign this? Seven-year agreement? We'll let you rebuild your temple. And the Pope comes in and says, in fact, it's going to be a universal temple for Islam and Christianity like we saw before. That could be plausible. Maybe God to do something like an earthquake or something. Just, right? just something because you're thinking, man, if, the, if, if it goes down, they're going to blend Israel and that's going to create a war. But there's other ways it could happen. But either way, we know that it's plausible. They're back in the land. They're going to rebuild the temple. The second thing that we know, is not only in Jerusalem, okay, the first thing about the temple. Okay, but the, What's important about this temple is it has everything to do with the Antichrist. Okay, and the Bible tells us about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 4. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, what's that? Yeah, rapture. We ask you, brothers, not to become uh, easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord had already come. Don't let anybody deceive you in any way, because that day is not going to come until the rebellion occurs. The man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He's going to oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself uh, to be God. Okay, so again, what we're going to see is the reason why this has got to be rebuilt, okay, is because this is going to be the edifice that the Antichrist is going to go up into and declare himself to be God halfway into the uh, seven year tribulation. So the point is well, okay, that's interesting. I get it, it's going to be in Jerusalem. I get it that it's tied with what's going to happen with the Antichrist. Okay, he's gonna go up there, commit the abomination and desolation that's mentioned in Daniel that Jesus reiterates in Matthew twenty-four. And so then he's and then you thought the first half was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet, then he's gonna go and it's just gonna be horrific, okay? I, I get that. But do we see any signs that they're really planning on building this temple? Yeah, and that's what I'm gonna cover a little bit. And the uh, first thing is you gotta look at the plans. Okay, the plans are already uh, basically uh, made. And I don't have time to I'm not gonna show you the video clip, but if you guys recall in our final countdown study I share with you the actual fly-by, three-by uh, view, and that was the ruling chamber for the uh, newly formed Sanhedrin. It's all mapped out. It's all the blueprints are already done. They're all ready to go, right? Just need a place to plop it, uh, and, you're, and you're good to go with that. So the plans are, are already there. Now, they're not just got the plans waiting to decide on, you know, and or get permission where to put the thing. Okay, but the next thing they're doing is they're also uh, already training the priests, right? See, they're not waiting. Well, okay, construction started. Let's get these guys trained. no. That's been happening for quite some time now, okay? And then, but see, you've got a problem there, okay? Because the priests, according to the Bible, and this is what the Jewish people are doing, they are doing it exactly how you're supposed to do it, according to the Bible, right? With the specifications and the, and the whole priesthood and the articles and all that stuff, okay? But the priests, if you read the Bible, they have to be a what? they got to be a, a Levite. They have to be of uh, the tribe of Levi, uh, with the priests, you got the the Cohen uh, family, okay. But the problem is, the temple was destroyed back in 70 A.D. by the Romans, okay. And so much time has transpired, and from that point, the Jewish people were dispersed and all that stuff. And then, of course, that was the big thing when they came back to the land again and became a, a nation again in 1948. Well, it's like they, they're coming from all over the world. Remember that? Okay, that's great, but how do you know who's of the right tribe? How do you know who's of the priestly line? Because you have to follow what the scripture says. You can't have just any tribe in there. It's gotta be of the priestly line. This is wild. This is, another thing, you know, Daniel talks about uh, technology, the rise of uh, technology and being able to travel information all that explosion. But if you take a look at, um, because of, of uh, modern technology, they now, we just happen to have the technology to find what's called the cohen or priestly gene. To, now that they've mapped the human genome, they now know who is a priest or not. Let me share with you this article. Uh, Dr. Carl uh, Skorecki considered this hypothesis. If the Kohanim, the priestly line, are descendants of one man, which would be Aaron, right? The original high priest. They should have a common set of genetic markers. So 188 Jewish males were asked to contribute some cheek cells uh, from their DNA and it was extracted for study. Participants were from Israel, England, North America, so Jewish people from all over. And they're also asked to identify whether they thought they were a Kohen or of the priestly line. What they found is there was a particular array of six chromosomal markers in actual cohens that has now become known as the Kohen modal haplotype. Now how many guys are gonna put that on your bumper going home? Yeah, whatever, but it's right here. Anyway, it's now become the standard genetic signature for the Jewish priestly family. In fact, date calculations based on the variation from the Kohanim today yield a time frame of 106 generations from the ancestral founder of that line. So you do the math, that's about 3,300 years ago, which just happens to be the approximate time of the exodus from Egypt and, of course, the lifetime of Aaron, the original high priest. So they're not only back in the land again, they're not only fulfilling all these eight prophecies, they're not only getting ready to build this temple again that has to work with the Antichrist, but they're following it to the T. And even when it comes to down, making sure that the only people who are serving in this, we're not just training them, but making sure that they're serving the servant here are of the priestly line, we just happen to live in the days where we had the technology to be absolutely sure. You think that's by chance? We're getting pretty close, okay? But they're also rebuilt, they've already rebuilt a stone altar, the, the Passover sacrifices, they're already starting those again. And listen to this quote. Uh, from the Jewish people over there. They, They says, we are saying to God, here we are. We are ready. It's in our hands. We are ready to worship you as free people. We hope to do it in the next few years as it should be done in the temple. And said this: Today is really a historic event for the Jewish people. It's the beginning of the work of the third temple. Here we are. We are building a field school for the Kohanim of the Levites in order to teach them the work they have to do in Jerusalem when the temple will be rebuilt. We've rebuilt this a replica of the temple that will serve as a school to educate the priests how to serve there. It's an exact replica of the temple. We're drilling the holes for the libations and et cetera, et cetera. And listen, and they will learn right now exactly what they will do when the time comes and the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem. They'll know exactly how to perform that service. We've been waiting for the last 2,000 years for the rebuilding of the third temple. And here it is for the first time. We're actually taking concrete measures in order to fulfill that dream to start the process of building the temple. That's a direct quote. So they're not waiting for, oh, we got plans. Okay, let's, they're, they're just literally, you know. But all we got to do is build the thing. And it's going to go very fast. Okay. And you think, well, man, it's going to take a long time to build. No, modern technology, hello. you amazed at how fast people can build stuff, right? Remember the earthquakes? Earthquake back in, uh, uh, in L.A. just absolutely ravaged. And I forget the name of the construction guy, but he blew everybody away, and a lot of other people said there's no way you could do it, but he rebuilt the whole freeway system in, like, some crazy short amount of time. Okay, it is possible, folks, to do this stuff, uh very quickly but not only that as i alluded to not just with the plans and the priests, but they also have the articles okay all the implements that you need uh to serve in the temple okay uh the golden menorah right the golden menorah was lost ever since the destruction of the temple back in 70 a.d right and that's that big giant candle stand stick looking thing well that's been rebuilt it's been rebuilt for several years now listen it weighs a half a ton It weighs a half a ton and it contains 24 karat gold. This thing, the approximate value of just that one article is $3 million. Somebody's serious about building this temple again. That's just one article. There's a ton of articles that's got to go in this temple. Three million bucks just in that one thing and that's what they're doing. Uh, They've also reconstructed the golden flask needed for the water libation, the silver uh, shovels needed for removing the ashes from the altar, uh, the gold and silver-plated ram's horns. Notice it's gold and silver. And this isn't fake stuff, right? This isn't, hey, we'll speed it up by cooking cooking in a microwave and getting the zirconium. (laughs) No, it's the real deal okay big time bucks silver trumpets uh, to use to announce the temple services and festivals they've already been built harps and lyres other musical instruments for the music in the temple already been rebuilt and all this again is to Old Testament specs and standards the wooden and golden lots be used to determine the goat which goat to be used for the altar of sacrifice the scapegoat the golden altar of incense the actual sacrificial knives uh, are already built the table of showbread the laver the incense chalice the three form the the uh, fork uh, the measuring cups the copper vessel for meal offerings the sickle the menorah cleaner the oil pitcher frankincense censer, the the garments for the ordinary priest uh, and they're doing it handmade you're not picking this up at Walmart it's handmade woven you know exactly with that the spinning wheel the whole you know it's old stuff that we used to do, the Puritans, I mean, it's all handmade, exactly, uh, the high priest garments already done, the golden bells that they put on the hem, of uh, the garments already done, and they uh, recently finished the high priest crown, the golden crown for the high priest at a tune of $30,000. It's all sitting there, ready to go. Now, and all you have to do, this is easy, because there's a website, templeinstitute.org. Go there, they show this stuff, and they give you updates every time they get something else new done. okay, well, there's actually uh, different schools of thought. Some people would say, oh, no, you're never going to find it. You're going to have to redo it. Uh, however, if you look at a lot of these same people who put in these together, they're basically saying that we know where it's at, and when the time comes, we're going to go get it. And some of the reports, at least they say, is they believe that it's in one of the tunnels. Uh, and, and you know, whether I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord, but this is what of that camp they're saying is back when the, in the 1967 war when they took, overtook uh, Jerusalem and then the crazy thing happened and it's like you didn't take the temple mount? What are you doing? But anyway, so uh, the, in, it was during that time that some of the soldiers went back there and uh, rabbis now today, and they said that that's where it's at. They know where it's at. Now, they can't get there now because it's all walled off, but they said when the time comes, this is their quote, not mine, when the time comes, we know where it's at and we will get it. That's what they say. Is going on to there. All right, now another thing, we talked about this before, but there's another interesting thing. You talk about specifics all coming to pass, and that's the exciting ashes of a red heifer. Notice it's not a chicken. There's no chicken byproducts in this. This is awesome. Heifer, we're talking clearly cattle, good stuff, right? Uh, numbers 19, you're going, what is, the, what is the ashes of red heifer? Well, once again, they're falling everything to a T. So if you build the temple, then you need to purify it, right? Well, there's certain specific, God called it out. If you're In Numbers 19, if you want to check it out, 1 through 4, uh, you need certain ashes to cleanse it. And it has to be the ashes of a pure red heifer, Okay. Now, once again, because of the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, uh, guess what went out of existence? Ashes of a red heifer, right? But guess what's been popping up on the scene lately? Red heifers. Now for several years, there's been a lot of talk, probably the last 20 years. Okay. But, and sure enough, they come out and they go, Hey, this could be it. And then it shows up with the blemish, right? And, uh, but uh, it just so happens uh, that we, again, with the modern technology, we live in the days that if we wanted to even genetically make one, do you think we could? So that's, that's another possibility. However, it's very well that uh, God doesn't need the hand of man to help him out. And if you listen to some of the reports over there, they're saying, nope, we got him now. We got him now. No blemishes, we're ready to go. In fact, I want to share with you a transcript. This is from a radio show uh, over there. from the, uh, t- It's called Temple Talk. of The guys that built this temple and stuff over there, Israel. And this is a t- host by uh, Yitzhak Rubin and Rabbi Rickman, Rickman, however you pronounce his name. And this is what they said. Uh, And they're talking about there is a red heifer ready to go. At least one, maybe more. Here's what he says. He said, uh, everyone is interested uh, in the status of a red heifer. People speculate. People remember the excitement of when a red heifer was born. People talk about it. And the reason for that, of course, uh, why there's so excitement when anybody mentions a red heifer is because a lot of people know that there's a Jewish tradition in the Mishnah and that there were only nine uh, red heifers throughout the entire history of the Jewish people. And the ashes of those nine red heifers were enough to accomplish a process of cleansing for all the generations of the people of Israel. And there's a tradition that the 10th red heifer is the one associated with the rebuilding of the third temple. That's why when there's a news report about a red heifer being born, people get very excited. It's looked upon as some sort of a wake-up call or something like that. And again, he's talking about the Jewish people being excited about it. He says, I want to share with our listeners far and wide the fact that there is definitely a kosher red heifer here in Israel right now. And the other guy pipes in. He says, this is, this is really breaking news. He said, this should be on the scroll at the bottom of CNN or something. He says, we're not making a lot of noise about it. We're not taking out all sorts of ads. And we're certainly not disclosing the location. That's definitely not prudent. And I'm not going to be sharing it with the United States Embassy. Absolutely not. That's what he said. He said, but you should know that there is definitely, in fact, he said, I think there's more than one. But there is definitely at least one kosher red heifer here in Israel right now, so that is not what is impeding the process at all. The process at all, for what? For rebuilding the temple that we know has to be in existence, for halfway into the seven-year tribulation that the actual Antichrist goes up into and says, "Worship me, I'm God." Everything. Is ready to go. If we see for the first time in two thousand years that the Jewish people are not only returned to the land, their nation again, they did it in one day. They're united. They've sh- go- gone back to the shekel. They're blossoming as a rose in the desert. A powerful military a conflict for the world. They're they're wanting to rebuild the temple to the point where they've already got the plans made, the priests ready to go, the sacrifices, the stone articles, the altars, even the rash- ashes of a red heifer. Um, how many of you guys say it's getting close? And if that temple has to be in existence halfway into the seven-year tribulation, we don't know the day nor the hour, but if that has to be, and it has to be in existence uh, at least by the ha- uh, halfway point of the seven-year tribulation, how much closer then is the rapture of the church which takes place prior? Again, we don't know the date nor the hour, but did you do your exercise this morning? Okay, it's getting pretty... Uh, Close. Now, speaking of the Antichrist, we can finish up with him real quick. Uh, A couple things that I want to talk about, the Antichrist, because unfortunately, the Jewish people, they're not only messed up spiritually, as we saw, being compared to Sodom and Egypt. Boy, is that coming to pass. Okay, But they're also spiritually messed up because, believe it or not, of all things, they actually make a treaty. With the Antichrist, in fact, they have a couple different things going on with the Antichrist now i 'm not going to belabor that because we already went to that Daniel 927 he, the Antichrist, will make a treaty with the people, Israel, for a period of one set of sevens, but after half this time he will put it in to the sacrifices and the offerings, okay? So again, you're gonna see this political figure because that's who the Antichrist is. Uh, I hold more to the, uh, again, the position that this is out of the revived Roman Empire, as Daniel, I believe, clearly states. Okay, so you got this revived Roman Empire, this political figure uh, coming up out of the revived Roman Empire. He makes a peace treaty with Israel. Here's my whole point. Israel, once again, how many fit in the state of California? 20.5, of all places on the world, who is it that virtually every country, you see in the news almost every night, uh, not only wars and rumors of wars and conflict and military stuff and all that kind of stuff, but where is everybody wanting to make a treaty with? Israel. Isn't that weird? Israel. It's not just they came back to the land again and became a nation again, but because of all this conflict, guess what everybody says we need to do? Make a treaty with them. Daniel wrote that, what, 2,500 years ago? A little bit of Israel. It's absolutely crazy. Now, one guy's going to do it. One guy's going to pull it off, okay? But have we seen any signs that people just, yeah. Let me just read a few of them. Attempts. 1967, there was the UN Security Council Resolution. 1978, Camp David Accords. The Madrid Conference in 91. Israeli Syrian Talks, 91. Oslo Agreement, 93. Uh, Israel-Jordan Treaty of Peace, 94, that didn't work. Camp David, 2000, Talks, 2001, Saudi Peace Plan, 2002, Roadmap to Peace Plans, 2003, Geneva Accord, 2003, the Sharm Elk Sheik Summit, 2005, the Franco-Italian-Spanish Middle East Peace Plan, 2006, the Israel Hamas Ceasefire, 2008, Direct uh, Talks Peace Plan, 2010, Israeli Peace Initiative, 2011, and how many has been since then? And notice how it's ramping up. Of all places on the planet that the world leaders, and notice there's a multitude of countries, we have got to sign a treaty with Israel. One guy's going to do it. All these failed. Of course they failed, because it's waiting for the one guy. That one guy is going to be the Antichrist. That's also the very event that starts the seven-year tribulation. That is Daniel's final week, 69 have passed. As Mr. Tozer's been teaching at Sunday school uh, on Sundays, one week to go. That's why it's a seven-year tribulation. Not a 14-year, not 127 or, or one. It's a seven. It's a week. It's a seven, a group of seven. A seven-year tribulation. That's the event. When somebody signs an agreement with Israel, a se- that's your event. That starts the time clock. Okay, and we see nations around the planet repeatedly trying to get a treaty with Israel. Now, that's the event that starts the seven-year tribulation. I believe we're out of here pre-trib prior to that. So if we're seeing all these attempts of signing a treaty, one of them is going to work. Don't know the day, don't know the hour, but things must be getting uh, pretty close. So they're going to sign a peace treaty with him. Also, I believe that they're going to place their hope in him because Romans chapter 11 says that uh, uh, Paul, let me just quote that, uh, verse 25 through 26. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part, right? That doesn't mean forever. A lot of people say God's done with it. You know, he said blindness in part, right? Other translations say temporary blindness has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so then after that, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodlessness uh, uh, from Jacob. Okay? So again, Paul even reiterates in the New Testament that God is not done with Israel. They're under a temporary blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. That's you and I. That's called the church age. Okay? Gentiles, anybody who's not of Jewish descent, right? And, uh, And only God knows who's that last person. Or wouldn't that be cool if that was the last thing you did on earth that we talked about before? You don't know who that last person is, but somebody is going to be leading that last person, if you think about it, to Christ. No, I mean, think about that. Isn't it, wouldn't that. Be, wouldn't that be awesome if that was you? And you're both praying and holding hands, and in Jesus' name, amen. Boom! And you go, wouldn't it be awesome? It's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. Okay, till the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, and then God goes, whoop, okay, church age over my eyes are back on Israel, right? My eyes are back on Israel. Antichrist makes a peace treaty, bang, okay? And but what's gonna happen is initially they're gonna be duped, again, because they make a peace treaty with this guy. What? They're, they're blinded, right? The blindness, we know their eyes are open halfway into the seven-year tribulation when he goes up and shows his true colors. In this temple, they just build, like, yay! I, I don't know, maybe it's like, they finally got it done, it's a de- dedication ceremony. I don't know, right? Maybe, maybe it's already been done, I don't know. But he goes up into that thing and commits the abomination of desolation. And then he goes after the Jewish people. Their eyes are finally open. Oh no, what do we do? We'll get to that in just a second. But anyway, so do we see any signs of the Jewish people expecting some sort of Messiah type figure to come save them? Let me share with you just a couple of them from the rabbis over there. Chief Rabbi Borel Lazar believes that the earth will soon see a coming of the Messiah to judge all mankind. Quote, we know that he is very near at hand. The Messiah may well have already been born already. Of course, they're unfortunately under that blindness still. Jesus is the one and only Messiah, but they're expecting somebody else other than Jesus. Well, then here comes the Antichrist, hey, I'll save you, I'll do what everybody else failed to do. Right, if you will. Uh, the world today, they say, is in a state described by our sages as the Hevle Mashiach, that is, labor that precedes the coming of a Messiah. We are living on the verge of history. It can be felt everywhere. I don't know if I ever shared this with you guys, but um, gosh, what was I down there for? I was in New York City. Um, I don't know if it was a book thing or whatever, or one of our tourist trips over there, but uh, I was down by this uh, dock area or whatever, and I just happened to turn around and I actually got a picture of it somewhere on one of my old computers, uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was a giant billboard on one of the big, giant skyscrapers there uh, in the older part of New York City, and it was just this picture of this rabbi guy with the black-rimmed hat on, the big beard, and and, he's, he, and here was their billboard that they were advertising, even then, the Messiah is here. Actual billboard. I, I, I literally just, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. They're actually posting billboards. Their their hearts are that expectant that somebody's gonna come and save them. Right. One more, uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Kaduri. he called upon the worldwide Jewry jewelry, to return to Israel due to natural disasters which threaten to strike the world. In the future, the Holy One, blessed is he, will bring about great disasters in the countries of the world to sweeten the judgments of the land of Israel. I am ordering the publication of this declaration as a warning so that the Jews in the countries of the world will be aware of the impending danger and will come to the land of Israel for the building of the temple and the revelation of a righteous Mashiach or Messiah, he says. Again, the Mashiach, this guy, believes that he's already here. Again, that's, that's how I it. Now, what we know about this Antichrist guy, and this is what we see in Revelation 13, is this guy specifically, he's not going to just make a peace treaty with uh, Israel again. Not only going to go up and commit the abomination, desolation of the temple. This guy is going to demand worship as a God, I don't have time to read that because we're getting close to uh, running out of time. And, uh, but uh, Revelation 13, at least, I think four different times, it says, "And they worship the beast the Antichrist. they worship the beast, they worship, they worship at least four different times. So this guy doesn't just say, "Hey, I want you to listen to me and obey me. He wants to be worshiped." And then he goes into the temple and says, "I am God, sets himself up as God. So this guy wants to be worshiped literally as God. Now the point is, oftentimes here, even in the church, even here in the West, we'll, we'll laugh at this go. Because again, who's the Antichrist? The Antichrist is not just a man. He's a political figure of a man on the world scene, right? So he's a political figure. So they're like, come on, he's, we're, we're not going to worship a political figure. Guy is a god. Right? I mean, I mean, you know, you, you see people like in Russia, you know, they worship Stalin. They have those parades with those giant heads and pictures, and you see Mao tongue, and, and even recently with North Korea, with the death of their guy, and they had statues. And, Remember the news reports? People were weeping and crying. They going, Come on, what's going on with that? You guys, you, worship, well, you think he's a god or something? We laugh at that. But folks, I don't know if you've been paying attention to people's behavior with the current administration. But I think we here in the West, our hearts are being prepared to worship a political figure as if he were a god. And that's what the Antichrist is gonna do. Let me give you some examples. An artist, I wish I had the pictures to show you, an artist in Iowa created an inaugural parade of Barack Obama riding on a donkey, making his own triumphal entry, complete with adores waving palm fronds along with a secret service escort. That's mocking Jesus Christ. Speaking of mocking, another artist planned to unveil a portrait, and I wish I could could show you the picture, of Barack Obama in a Christ-like pose. He's got his hands out like this. He's got a crown of thorns around his head uh, uh, on his brow at New York City's Union Square Park, marking his 100th day in office. That's weird. Many Hollywood celebrities uh, uh, are praying to uh, Barack Obama. They're pledging allegiance to Barack Obama, Okay, I don't know if you've seen the videos. This is put out by Oprah Winfrey. And, uh, uh, and it's still on YouTube. Last time I checked, but this is their commercial. Dozens of celebrities, television, movie actors, sports heroes, musicians describe how they will pledge to be the change and serve our president. Uh, actors Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher uh, began the closing scene by saying, I pledge to be a servant to our president and all mankind. Then the scene pans out and the other celebrities join in a chant and it's freaky. All these like, drone voices. Blah, blah, blah. And they say, because together we can, together we are, together we will be the change that we seek. And then as they pan out, it, it morphs into a picture of Obama's head with the words, be the change it's freaky. That's like something you see some indoctrination thing from Hitler or Stalin or something. That's right here in the United States of America. Very freaky. Uh, There's other people who are actually praying to Barack Obama. Uh, One group is a Chicago-based community organizing group called the Gamaliel Foundation, and they held a rally, and they prayed to him, seeking intervention and, and, and difficulties. Quote, hear our cry, Obama delivers, Obama. I don't have the whole, yeah, You can come up here later and read the transcript if you want. But basically, they're crying out to him repeatedly, the healing of the nation to give them health care and all this other stuff. And they, repeatedly, every time they would make it, they all in unison, they'd all say, hear our cry, Obama delivers, Obama, on and on and on again. Also, the media's getting in on this, okay, if you don't think this is happening. Newsweek, at least two times, and you think it's by chance? They had Barack Obama on the cover of Newsweek, and the phrase on this one was, God of all things. Right, and he had him in that like Hindu pose. Do you think that's by chance? The second one they had, they had him like in the side picture with the bust. If you can go look online, it's still up there. And then on the phrase, it said the second coming. That's our own media here in the United States. And then you got other people. If you watch the news, they're starting to drop comments like they're so in love with this guy. Oh, he's like God or whatever. And then probably one of the most disturbing ones, I said, how did this ever even come out of your mouth? But it's actually on video. It's Jamie Fox, right? And he comes out, and he basically says to the audience, he says, first of all, I'd like to give thanks to our Lord and Savior, and of course, you're expecting Jesus Christ. I'm not even going to say it. And he says, you know who? And the crowd goes nuts. what? How could you say our Lord and Savior, you know who? uh, Not just the entity, but that's blasphemy. I mean, what? This is in the United States of America. The Antichrist is going to be worshipped as a god. He's a political figure. And what is even happening for the first time in the history of the United States? People are worshipping a political figure as if he were a god, even to the point where they say it. That's what you need to have on the scene. That's the heart you need to have on the global scene to prepare people for the Antichrist. What's anti? In place of or opposed of the real Christ, Right? All right, one other thing, again, he demands worship as a god. Uh, I don't have time to go into that because people are actually being prepared for this. It's not just the Hollywood elite and people who don't know better. But if you look at different things that are influxing the minds of our uh, culture today, they also promote, uh, promote worship of a man. Environmentalism uh, produces that. Hinduism, Mormons say that you could become a god. Uh, New Age, spirit guides, uh, space brothers, supposed messages from Mary, uh, okay, angels. Uh, even witchcraft believes that you can become a God, that divinity is within. Let me show that. The existence of the supreme power uh, is known as the one or the all. The all is not separate from the universe. The all came from the God and goddess, and there are manifestations in various forms of the universe. Divinity is within. That's witchcraft. And they well, no wonder people fall for this baloney because they're not listening to the Bible, and they're being taught all this other baloney. And so they actually start to think that, hey, I guess you can become a God. Again, that's preparing people's mindset. Okay? And, of course, that came from the devil in Genesis chapter 3. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. But you might want to read the Bible. Uh, Isaiah 43, God says, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Isaiah 44, this is what the Lord says, I'm the first and the last, and apart from me there is no God. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock, I know not one. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord, there is no other part, apart from me there is no God. Right, plus it'd be a logical absurdity. God, by definition, is supreme being. Nobody's bigger than him. So if there was more than one God, then guess what? Somebody's not supreme. It's ridiculous, okay, as well. But it's a good thing the church is holding strong. You tell me if some of the false teaching, just some of the false teaching in the church today is not preparing people to worship the Antichrist, a God-like figure. Direct quotes, Frederick Price, God can't do anything in this earth realm except what we, we, the body of Christ, allow him to do so. So if man has control, who no longer has it? God, yes, you are in control. No, you're not. You're not God. This is coming from the church. Many hands said, when you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I'm a little Messiah walking on the earth. That is a shocking revelation. May I say it like this? You are a little God on earth running around. Christians are little messiahs, little gods on earth say i'm born of heaven a god man i'm a god man i'm i'm a sample of jesus i'm a super being say it say it no i'm not going to say it it's a blasphemy paul kraus somebody said i don't know uh, who said it but they they claim that you faith teachers declare that we are gods you're a god i'm a god well you are a god i'm a little god i have his name i'm one with him i'm in covenant relationship i'm a little god critics be gone no you be gone excuse me Kenneth Copeland, Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. You are not some spiritual schizophrenic, half God, half Satan. You are all God. You don't have God in you. You are one. I say this with all respect so that it doesn't upset you too bad, but I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where he, Jesus, says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Hagin says, the believer is called Christ. That's who we are. We are Christ. You are just as much an incarnation of God as Jesus Christ was. Really, you walk on water. You make it stop raining. I want you to, oh, wouldn't this be awesome? Tax time's coming up. I want you to go over here to Lake Mead, and I want you to go fishing, and I want you to pull some money out of that fish's mouth and pay your taxes with it. <laughs> Jesus did it, but you can't. Give me a break. Okay, and Morse he says, you're not looking at more Cirilla. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus. How does that even come out of your mouth? Now, again, the Antichrist, real quickly, because we've got to close. We also know, unfortunately, the Jewish people, their eyes are going to be open after he goes up into the rebuilt Jewish temple. Okay, but he is going to go on a slaughter, and he is going to annihilate two-thirds of the Jewish people. That is Zechariah 13. Uh, This third I will bring into the fire, God says. I'll refine them uh, like silver and test them like gold. Two-thirds, he says, is going to be struck down and perish. yet one-third is going to be left into it. Parallel passage, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, also talks about being sovereignly protected by the archangel Michael. So we see that we're going to have, believe it or not, another Jewish holocaust. Uh, if you can believe that. Current stats, if you put it, with the population of Israel today, it's about another 5 million Jewish people annihilated very quickly. Right? And so and then you think about, well, how, how could that happen? I mean, we just had the holocaust happen not that long ago. I mean, there's people still alive from that generation. They, they know this. I mean, th- that could never be repeated. Well, guess what's on the rise right now? Anti-Semitism, listen to these statements. Over one-fourth of the planet right now, one-fourth, one out of every four people you meet on the whole planet, average, has anti-Semitic views. 35% believe that Jews have too much power in the world, okay? And, it's, and, and, and some Jews right now see shocking similarities between pre-World War II Europe and today. And in Greece, of all places, Greece, 69% of the population admits to being anti-Jewish, And this renewed hatred of the Jews seems to stem from a severe economic crisis. Guess who's getting the blame for it? The Jewish people. The Golden Dawn Party. Does that sound familiar? Golden Dawn, reminiscent of Hitler. The party's come back in Greece, Europe, revived. The Golden Dawn Party places the blame squarely on the shoulders of the Jewish people and it's expected that Greece will soon elect its first neo-Nazi politician, a member of the Golden Dawn Party, and to sit on the European Union Parliament. Well, that's interesting, because the Antichrist comes out of the revived Roman Empire, you know, like a European Union kind of thing or whatever. He hates the Jewish people. He's going to kill two-thirds of them. I wonder if he's going to be a member of the Golden Dawn Party, like what was going on with Hitler in our lifetime. How in the world could that be repeated? Well, as we close, believe it or not, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but our kids are not being educated. They're being indoctrinated. They're being brainwashed. Okay, they're not being taught what needs to be taught. And believe it or not, there's actual uh, uh, videos I've actually shared before in our prophecy studies, but uh, university students, university students are being approached, and this is not make-believe, wish I had the video to show you, of do you know who Adolf Hitler is? They don't even know who Adolf Hitler is. One guy says, uh, was he an actor? I'm not making this up. And he wasn't joking. They don't know. He's like, how could, how could you not know who Adolf Hitler was, right? But again, this prepares the people's mindset to like Holocaust Holocaust. What are you talking about, what? And then the guy doing the interviews, here's the question he asked these same people who didn't know Adolf Hitler was. Quote, here's your scenario. It's a moral question. It's 1943. A German officer has a gun pointed at you. He wants you uh, to get into a bulldozer and drive it forward. In front of the bulldozer is a pit of which there's about 300 Jews who have uh, just been shot, but some of them are still alive. He wants you to bury them alive. If you don't do what he says, he's going to kill you, and he's going to do it himself. If you do what he says, he'll let you go. Would you drive the bulldozer forward every single, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, it was, if I had to make a choice, if it was my life versus them, yeah, yeah. No hesitation. People just, are you kidding me? Even here in the West, if you can believe it, people don't even know the generation coming up who's going to be the generation in power soon. They don't even know as crazy as this is. Right? You think, well, everybody watches the History Channel. Not that generation. They don't even know. They're not being taught in school. They don't know who Adolf Hitler is. And there is such a moral all-time low that if it came push to shove just like what happened in Germany... We'll kill him to save your own hide. All of that is what is needed for the Antichrist to justify going and slaughtering another holocaust of the Jewish people halfway into the seven-year tribulation. The society is there for it, okay? But as you all know, there's no sense of paying attention to the Jewish people because it has nothing applicable for us today. No, very important for the first coming, very important for the second coming, uh, as we just saw. Yeah, real quick in closing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to hear another story? I was doing some cookie runs here in Las Vegas. I guess this is going on tape. And I ran into a Christian, of course, visiting. We visited Sunrise. They're not here. Okay. So I guess I'm safe. Anyway, <clears throat> so they had shared with me uh, that uh, they they have like this uh, Bible study. It wasn't so much them. It was what they shared with me. And they said... Uh, uh, they have a little Bible study in their neighborhood, and I'm going, oh, that's good, that's good, that's what Christians should do, you know, invite their neighbors and whatever. And they said that their neighbor across the street was a pastor and his wife at a church here in the area. And uh, so it was, this was after the, uh, this, into the second uh, uh, administration where we're at now, and she said, you know, I was absolutely shocked that this pastor's wife actually admitted that uh, she voted wholeheartedly for Obama, right? And then now, it, after the second, you know, uh, getting elected a second time, now the cat's really coming out of the bag with the, the pro-homosexual, pro-anti-God, anti-Christian. I mean, it was there before, but now it's like, it's like, okay, it's the last one. If you're going to do something, do it now. And that's the mentality, really. So she said, she says, so then I approached her again, and I says, now knowing what you know about what's been done with the promotion of homosexuality, the anti-Christian uh, persecution that's going on, that he's per- would you vote for him again? Uh-huh. What? So Christians got a problem. But should we be completely shocked? I'm certainly not condoning that. But should we be shocked? No, because what's the Bible tell us also in the last days? Apostasy is going to come. The church is not going to get better, better, better. The church is going to go down the tubes just like the world before Christ comes back. Right? And what does Jesus say repeatedly in the scripture? He gives you a dichotomy. True, Fake, right? Never saved by works. It's always a gift from God. But there are people who profess to know Christ, but they don't belong to Christ. That's why you have what's called the wheat and the tares. That's why you have the sheep and the goats. And that's why Jesus says, you better make sure that you're on the narrow road, not the wide road. And that's why he also says, he says, few are gonna be those that find the way many are going to be taking that broad road. So according to Jesus in the Scripture, the bulk of people on the planet are not going to heaven. And yet, what is the premise oftentimes in the church? Oh, yeah, in mass, billions of people. I don't know. You look at what's going on today. Again, I'm not the fruit inspector, you know. But man, there's some weird stuff going on. It's almost like we're living the last days. It's time to get motivated. Hey, uh, Lord willing, uh, next week we're going to now get into, finally modern israel as we finish that up and then lord willing we'll finally get into uh, believe it or not uh lesson three islam and it's a good thing that there's no sense in talking about that <laughs> yeah that's a hot topic well hi this is pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and get ministries and i hope you enjoyed today's study but in closing before you go let me ask you one final question if you were to die today are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell you see here's the problem The two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means Lying. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, There's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late, it's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, Here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in His work on the cross to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, Our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.